Hey, Jennifer, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Good, 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 good. Um, so before we start, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, accepting my invitation. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Um, how are you feeling and how's your day going? It's going well. It's kind of been a busy summer, but all is well. How about you? Good. I've been busy myself. Just finished eating dinner not too long ago. So Okay. All right. So we're going to get right into it, okay? Sure. All right. So your first topic is talk about your life story from your childhood all the way up to now. <laughs> um, well, that's a very big question. I, um, I grew up in Connecticut and I had a twin brother and went to college in upstate New York, went to law school in DC and after practicing law for a few years, um, got involved in teaching at the college level. So I started teaching one course at University of Maryland and then um, began to do it full time for eight years. And then recently last year, um, decided to become sort of a motivational speaker for groups of high school and college students. So that is what I'm doing now, and I've been loving it. Excellent. That's awesome. I love how you transitioned from one thing to another. Yeah. Yep. I think, you know, life sort of has a way of presenting different challenges at different times. And I think it's important to be adaptable and take your skills and sort of figure out what, what you do well and, and ways you can have an impact. So that's always what I've tried to do. Yeah. That's all you can do. Try and make a difference. Uh, one life at a time, one day at a time. Absolutely. So, your next topic is you left successful positions as a lawyer and professor to create JG Talks. Why? Well, I these things happened at different times. Um, I left my law practice just because I wanted to sort of address some issues at home, I just had young children and I wanted to be available more to them. Um, so I took some time off at that point and never went back to practicing law, but I always sort of wanted to work. So I thought it would be great to teach law. And um, so that, that was sort of my first big transition. And then the reason I ultimately resigned from University of Maryland this past spring to become a motivational speaker is that I've been increasingly concerned about students' well-being since the pandemic. I've noticed that students are really struggling in terms of their skills and mental health. And I thought that I could have more of an impact if I were to be able to give talks to students even outside of the University of Maryland, where I've been teaching. Um, 
but where I could reach students really across the country. So that's what prompted me to leave Maryland and um, become a, a speaker instead through my business, JG Talks. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, your next question is a bonus question. All right. Um, talk about the ups and downs of motherhood. Wow. Um, well, I mean, the the best parts of motherhood, it's sort of hard to describe. I mean, the love, the devotion, the fun, it's sort of something always going on. I have three kids. They're all teenagers now. Um, so it sort of never ends, but in a, in a good way. I think, you know, when we talk about struggles of parenthood, it's, it's tough when you you know, you can love people so much and ultimately not have very much control over what they do. <laughs> My, I have good kids. I don't want to get you wrong, but you know, you, for controlling people, which I tend to be, um, it can be a little humbling sometimes just to sort of see how they turn out and what they're going to do. And that's also one of the primary joys of parenthood, but it's not easy. Oh, trust me. I have two of my own. It's definitely oh, yeah. not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> definitely not. And I think there's also sort of a, a long-term, short-term tension. You know, sometimes it's easier in the short term to give in to things or to, you know, to just make your day easier. Whereas, you know, in the long term, it may be really important for your kids to hear the word no. <laughs> So, which makes the short term harder. Um, but so I think that tension presents itself not infrequently, at least for me. Right. I feel like sometimes kids don't understand if you're telling them no about certain things is for their best, for their own good. Right. And yeah. I feel like they won't learn that lesson until they become adults themselves and have their own children. Like, Oh, that's what mom or dad was talking about many years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what lessons do you feel like your children have learned from you and what have you learned from them? Hmm. Well, I hope they've learned from me. Um, I think they have learned from me kindness. All three of my children are exceptionally nice people. And I like to think my husband and I have some, maybe something to do with that. I think we're all pretty nice people. Um, and work ethic. They're hard workers. They're good students. My husband and I have always instilled, you know, a strong work ethic in them. So I, I'm hoping... They have learned those things from us. Um, uh, what I have learned and what I'm still learning is patience. And it's that you, I, there are things in life I can't control and that that's okay. And part of, part of the sort of adventure of life is, is seeing how things unfold and being resourceful and figuring it out as you go. Um, so I'd say I've learned that from my kids. I feel like other fellow parents would say the same thing as you 
patience yeah. is very key. <laughs> it's key, and I don't always have it. So <laughs> really depends. Right. It's like you tell them certain things, and then they still want to learn the hard way. It's like, well, this is what I was trying to prevent you from doing. <laughs> yep. So your next topic is talk about some of the challenges you and your husband had to overcome when you first got married and how has it shaped your marriage now? Truly, I'm not trying to be evasive, but I don't know that we've really, that we had any major challenges we're, we've been very lucky. We get along exceptionally well. We always have. Our values are really aligned. Um, our, our relationship has always been um, easy, <laughs> like one of the easier aspects of our lives. So truly, it's, I don't know. I think we got lucky. I know we got lucky. That's definitely a good thing because most couples usually they have their trials and tribulations before they reach their true potential individually and together. So, yeah, we really we really never did with respect to our relationship. Gotcha. That's definitely a good thing. That's very positive. It absolutely is. So. We touched on this topic earlier, but I wanted to see if there's anything else you want to add to it. Um, how has college students changed post-pandemic? Well, I think that college students generally have become less strong at communicating. I think with social media now and post-pandemic, they're all a little bit socially stunted, more so than pre-pandemic. And it really takes a toll on them and on how they relate to their classmates, their professors, their employers, all of those things. So I think um, there is a less maturity overall among college students and this whole generation. And all of this really affects how they are in as students and ultimately as employees. So I've definitely seen that. And I've seen a decline in academic skills. And I think part of that is, you know, because during the pandemic, education across the country really suffered. You know, when they were attending school virtually, it was not good for any of them. Um, and there were skills that they never picked up. And schools were, rela- high schools have been relaxing standards and inflating grades. And none of it has resulted in great learning. So there's a lot to catch up on. Gotcha. This is true. Um, the pandemic affected everybody in multiple levels. Absolutely. And it's, you know, the effects are enduring. It's, it's not over. I mean, the pandemic may be over, but the effects are not. I feel like for most people, it's going to be long-term effects. I agree with you. So in your opinion, 
how do you feel the average college student would learn best today in the classroom or online? In the classroom, for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like because it's more like visual, like you're in person, like you can physically ask the the professor a question if you need help or anything? It's part of that. I mean, it's also just Zoom reduces engagement tremendously. So, you know, I had to teach via Zoom during the pandemic and it was really tough. You know, I, I feel like I spoke to 60 black boxes at a time. They wouldn't turn on cameras. They, you know, it, they, they were just checked out and they're not checked out in the classroom. It's, it's totally different. Um, also, reading off of screens is really not good for retention and learning. And of course, when school is done online, all the reading is electronic. And so that's not a good thing. Students do better with books. They do better with hard copies and pieces of paper and pens and, you know, less on the computer. So the more of that old school stuff we can bring into education, I think the better their learning will be. I totally agree. I feel like most things in life, including learning, you should be able to do it hands on. So That's right. So your next topic is college has become so hard to get into. How do you explain students declining given the hyper competitiveness administrative process? Well, so college is very hard to get into now. That's right. Um, but that is due to a variety of factors having virtually nothing to do with how prepared the students are. So, you know, as I said, throughout the pandemic, high schools have relaxed standards and inflated grades. So A's are much more common than they used to be. A's used to mean something, and now they mean a little less. Um, it's not to say they're not great, but they're a lot more common than they used to be. So it's harder for colleges to distinguish among all of these A students. And additionally, schools are now going test optional, which takes away another data point. Um, I'm not saying there aren't good reasons for that, but you know the fact remains that without the test scores, it's one less data point. Um, so it's hard to sort of figure out who the really good students are. And what happens now is that a lot of A students are getting rejected because it's sort of luck of the draw. It's become a lot more random about who gets in and who doesn't. So that's why it's gotten so hard to get into. But none of those reasons really reflects that students are doing great. It's just, it's sort of happening in a weird time where colleges for all these, you know, unrelated reasons are really hard to get into now. And students are still coming into college less prepared than they have ever been. Yeah, I've, I've definitely noticed the difference a lot. And I just hope things start to change in the oh, near wow. future. <laughs> Would be good. Because I feel like education is very important. It 
It is. All right. So your next topic is what advice do you have for students for success in school? Well, I give a lot of advice. I mean, in different categories that I give advice about time management. I think that's super important. I give advice about actionable study skills, how to study actively, how to memorize efficiently. And I give a lot of advice about how students can develop good relationships with professors, because that's really important as well. And that is sort of a, um, a little bit of an art form, but I, I sort of, I break it down for students in my talks and teach them exactly how to do all of these things. So that's sort of the, those are the basic categories of advice. And then when I give talks to groups of college students as well, I talk about um, how to grow their networks, how to be service-minded, but maintain confidence, um, and other professional tips I offer. Right, I'm pretty sure they appreciate all your wise words that you give to them, so. I just hope it can reach them and be helpful. Yeah, that's all you can do, one student at a time. So talk about your like schooling experience and how your experience, you can share that with other kids, like your personal experience. As a student? Yes. Um, well, I went to really hard schools. I went to a, you know, a, a very rigorous private high school in Connecticut. And then I went to Cornell University. Um, I always worked very hard. I, I always sort of, you know, took took school and grades really seriously. And then I went to uh, law school. I will say not all of the teaching is ever going to be great. I mean, that's just anywhere you go. I mean, there are good and bad teachers, but I always tried to create my teaching style um, by reflecting on how I was as a student and what I would have liked and what I did appreciate in my teachers. So I created when I was teaching sort of my own distinctive teaching approach that I thought would take the best of all the different, you know, styles I had seen and leave behind what I didn't like. So I think it worked pretty well. Right. I totally believe it. Cause look how you turned out today. So Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. No, no problem. I always say hard work pays off. It does. So talk about the importance of time management. Well, I mean, time management is so vital. It's it's like the most important life skill, I would say, people can have. Um, it really, because it structures your whole life. I mean, how you, you have the same amount of time as everyone else and you have things you want to accomplish and it's really up to you, you know, how and when you're going to accomplish what you need to. So I think um, 
there is a close relationship as well between time management and mental health. I think when students and people in general don't manage their time well, they tend to be more anxious because they feel stressed and rushed and worried. And when you have good systems in place to manage your schedule and to be organized about your time and protect your time the way it needs to be protected, it ends up making you feel much more empowered as you go through your day. So I think time management is just incredibly fundamental to good mental health and just a good um, sort of day-to-day functioning in general. I totally agree. Um, it just keeps your life prioritized instead of being all over the place. That's right. So talk about the importance of networking and how it helps one's growth. Um, well, networking is really just a series of relationships. I mean, I always look at networking as just nurturing one relationship at a time. It's really not about sending your resume to like thousands of people you've never met and hoping it sticks. You know, it's networking is really about forming good relationships, about being service minded, about seeing what you can do to help someone else instead of always, you know, like asking what they can do for you. And it really pays off in significant ways. And sometimes even years later, you just never know. So I always try to break down networking into just, it's sort of a basic social skill of forming and maintaining positive relationships and, you know, good, um, good affiliations with people so you can help each other out. Right. I feel like you're helping somebody out. They're helping you. You're all growing together. So that's right. Talk about the importance of adaptability. So adaptability is very important um, because life is, is hard. I mean, (laughs) Life throws a number of challenges at us, many of which we may not have expected, and it's up to us to adapt and to deal in a functional, mature way. Um, so, you know, I it can come through in different contexts in life, but I always, you know, recommend to students that they just keep a really open mind when it comes to their careers, when it comes to their lives, to give themselves permission to explore, to think, to go outside the box, to say, you know, what, what might I be interested in that I haven't maybe thought about before? And to trust in their skills enough that they'll be fine and adaptable and resilient no matter what happens. So I just think adaptability is really crucial both professionally and just in the course of life. I totally agree because not every day is going to go smoothly. You have um, circumstances you did not foresee happening. So you got to adjust on the fly. I feel like that happens daily. (laughs) All the time. So it's kind of about, you know, learning as much as you can as you go and doing the best you can and putting in the work 
and forming the good relationships and asking for help when you need it and being resourceful and figuring it out just like everyone else is. All right. You're not going to always get right the first time around. So that's right. So your next topic is what advice do you have for young adults starting their professional journeys? Well, I would I would say for sure they should try to learn as much as they can, um, certainly to be professional, to communicate professionally, to maintain a strong work ethic. It's super important. And to forge as many positive connections as they can along the way. They should also realize that very few people you know, retire from their first job, you know, all those years later, like most people switch jobs at some point and many switch career course entirely. And that's okay as well. Um, so I would just urge them to learn as much as they can develop all the skills they can along the way, give everything they can, um, and, and, you know, form good relationships and, trust that they will figure out their next step at the right time. Yeah. Life is all about steps. Yes. So your next question is what advice would you give to your younger self right now? Oh, definitely the advice I just gave. I mean, I, you know, I've always been very type a, like a huge planner, um, a worrier. And I would just tell myself, like, you know, it, it doesn't do any good to worry. You really, you know, there are things that are going to happen. You've got to give yourself permission to go with the flow and, you know, do work as hard as you can and do as much as you can, but to sort of be open to things not going as planned. Right. It's all about adjusting. Right. Most definitely. And I'm sure your parents taught you all these skills and lessons as you were growing up. So you were able to pass it down to your children now. Yeah. I mean, my parents have been always great. And I, I definitely talk to my kids a lot about these topics as well. Uh, I'm sure they appreciate your advice. So <laughs> sometimes they're teenagers. So kind of depends on the, their moods. Right. <laughs> I'm heading towards that teenage stage oh, in a couple years. So I've heard stories. So <laughs> <laughs> all right. So your last question is an easy one. So oh. What are your hobbies? Like, what does Jennifer like to do outside of you, like being a mother, wife, um, in your career? Like, what do you like to do? Um, I love playing tennis and taking long walks and reading and writing and playing with our dog. Nice. You're definitely active and moving around. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Um, at this point in my pod, I always turn it over to my guests and you can ask me any question that you want. 
Um, I'm wondering what got you started with this podcast? So at first it started out as just a hobby. I interviewed some of my close friends to just get the feel of it if I would like it or not. And before I got into it, I always listened to a variety of different podcasts, whether it had to do with sports, finance, business, um, mysteries. Uh, I just like to learn new things and soak up as much information as possible. Um, as time has went on and I've interviewed people from different walks of life from around the world, I get to hear about people's life trials and tribulations, their uh, how they overcame the obstacles, mm-hmm. how they became who they are today, what their future goals and dreams are. I just like to hear people's life stories. So Yeah, no, it's great. You must meet very interesting people through it. Absolutely. And I feel like it all goes back to what we talked about earlier, networking. So Yep. Great. Um, so before we end this, is there any last words you like to leave with the listeners? Do you have anything new coming up on the horizon? And would you like to share your social media handles as well? I would love to. So um, my website is www dot jg talks.org um so it's jgtalks.org and that is my instagram handle as well it's jg talks org so i would love any follows and shares and i i post a lot of tips and stuff on my instagrams that's that's a good place to start um And yeah, I'm just keeping busy doing talks. So it's very exciting and I'm loving it and meeting a lot of great people. Y'all better go follow her. This is an interesting woman. She has a lot going on. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. So before we end this, I want to say once again, Jennifer, thank you so much for accepting my invitation to come on the podcast. I really appreciate you. It was my pleasure. Have a great night. You too. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.